Welcome to Timeless Truth with Pastor Jim Thomas, a resource of the Village Chapel in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have something you'd like our team to pray for in you or your family's life, we encourage you to let us know by visiting thevillagechapel.com prayer. Our team would love the opportunity to bring your requests to the Lord. We're glad you joined us this week as we continue our study of the Gospel of Mark. Now, here's Pastor Jim. So Mark chapter 12 is starting to look like an episode of tag team wrestling between Jesus and the various groups of religious leaders of his time. Here in verses 18 through 27, the Sadducees will enter the proverbial ring and try to take Jesus out. Who were the Sadducees? Well, they were a group of aristocratic religious leaders of that time. Uh, how did they differ from the Pharisees? Well, the Sadducees only accepted the first five books of the, of the Old Testament, that'd be the Pentateuch, uh, but they rejected the rest of the Old Testament in some ways. Uh, they could be compared to modern-day liberal theologians who take a salad bar approach to the scriptures and have an anti-supernatural bent. In other categories, uh, they would be thought of as the conservatives uh, more than the Pharisees. But however you may view them, uh, what we have to see is that they too were stalking Jesus, hoping to entrap him and to discredit him. And this, all of these different groups were now an unholy alliance against Jesus. Here they come, these Sadducees, with a question about the status of marriage in the afterlife, after the resurrection. But Mark makes a point to tell us that the Sadducees did not even believe in the resurrection. Still, they pose a wildly improbable hypothetical situation, one they hope will stump Jesus and at the same time show how ridiculous the idea of any kind of resurrection really is. Let me read the text, and then we'll kind of take it from there. So some Sadducees who say that there is no resurrection, and the old joke is that's why they were sad, you see. And um, I know I can hear you moaning, some of you. Some of you are thinking it's too early in the day. Some of you think it's too late. Some of you don't care what time of day it is. You just don't like old dad jokes and the bad news is I do. So <laughs> anyway, um, the Sadducees who say there is no resurrection came to him and began to question him saying, teacher, Moses wrote for us a law that if a man's brother dies and leaves behind a wife and leaves no child, his brother should take the wife and raise up offspring to his brother. There were seven brothers, and the first one took a wife and died, leaving no offspring. And the second one took her and died, leaving behind no offspring. And the third, likewise. I don't know about you, but if I was number four, five, six, or seven, I would start folding my arms, and I'm not sure I'd want to kind of live up to that old Leverite law from Deuteronomy chapter 25. Everybody seems to be dropping that marries her. Um, and so seven of these brothers all married her and left no offspring, verse 22 tells us. Last of all, the woman died too. Okay, so now everybody in the hypothetical story is gone. In the resurrection, they say to Jesus, remember, which they don't believe in, 
When they rise again, which one's wife will she be? For all seven had her as wife. Jesus said to them, and you could have heard a pin drop, I'm pretty sure. I mean, you know, I'm, I, I'm pretty sure the crowds and the other religious leaders, everybody that's standing around, whenever Jesus is confronted like this, especially with this kind of lengthy, drawn-out, hypothetical situation uh, that's so improbable, but nonetheless foisted in front of him, and he's asked to pass some kind of uh, uh, test and, and give a good answer. Well, what's he going to say? So you could have heard a pin drop. Is my, that's, that'd be my uh, thought, my speculation. Jesus said to them, is this not the reason you are mistaken that you do not understand the scriptures or the power of God. Isn't that fascinating? He doesn't, he, he doesn't take the bait. He doesn't immediately give an answer to their little question, you know, whose wife will she be? He doesn't even address that at all. He's actually here saying, you don't understand the scriptures or the power of God. For when they rise, he goes on a little further, for when they rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are they given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. And uh, wow, now I bet that set them all uh, scurrying and maybe even even in a greater way, he might have really shut them down because he didn't believe in angels. They didn't believe in the resurrection. They didn't believe in the spiritual realm like this at all, either these Sadducees. And so he gives an answer that says, no, they're not going to be, there's not going to be marriage in heaven uh, because they'll be like angels. Now, but notice this. He doesn't say he, they will be angels. I know there are some people that think that, you know, when somebody passes from the scene, um, they 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 go off into the sky and become a, an angel up in the night sky or up in the a heavenly realm somehow or another, but and they might get that from this particular place. But Jesus isn't saying that we become angels. He's saying they become like angels, and specifically as regards marriage here. Um, so he goes on, though. Let's see what else he says. I think it's fascinating. But regarding the fact that the dead rise again, you have not read in the book of Moses, or have you not read in the book of Moses, in the passage about the burning bush, how... God spoke to him saying, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. You are greatly mistaken, Jesus says, so boldly and bluntly to the Sadducees who had brought this really complex hypothetical, highly improbable question before Jesus, um, hoping that they could stump him. So uh, the, the law to which they refer about the, the brothers marrying the widow, uh, really it goes back to the book of Deuteronomy. I think it's uh, chapter 25. It's called the Leverite Law, which said that if a man died without children, his brother um, uh, would take the, the widow 
and have children uh, with her so that the first man's heritage would be carried on and the children could inherit the first man's estate. Amazingly, each of the hypothetical seven brothers uh, that this hypothetical woman marries dies of something. Um, no thought that, um, again, they that that would need to be explained, you know, or, or that, that, I mean, Jesus could have just targeted their whole illustration and just shown how full of holes it really was, but he didn't even do that. Um, but the hypothetical question is raised. Uh, if there were such a thing as the resurrection, what would ultimately happen after all seven husbands plus the woman herself died? Whose wife would she be in the afterlife? Once again, as I said, Jesus set them straight with some clever, corrective teaching. Um, and it's not just that he's trying to get into slap fights and, and uh, that sort of thing. He's, you know, he loves these people as much as he loves anyone else that he died for. And uh, he would love for them to come to faith. He would love it if, uh, if they came to embrace the gospel and believe the gospel. So he begins to answer by pointing out how they had failed to understand two really critical things, two really important things. And they are, number one, they didn't understand the scriptures. And notice it's not just what the scriptures say, but they didn't understand the scriptures themselves, okay? So it's, it's yes, it's, it's what the scriptures uh, have to say, but it's also the fact of the scriptures. That is that God speaks, that God has spoken, that God inspired his word. And here we are on the other side of the New Testament, having both the Old Testament and the New Testament. And we have this 66 book library that has been inspired by God or God breathed, if you will. And, um, and, and, you know, here's, 40-plus different authors from all backgrounds uh, over a, a time period of 13, 1,400 years, maybe 1,600 years, who knows, uh, just around that, but around that kind of time frame, and, and, and all kinds of different literature, poetry, um, uh, eschatological uh, material, talking about the end times, you know, uh, prophetic narrative, talking about the times of the Old Testament, the prophets and all that sort of thing, the gospels themselves, which really are beautiful eyewitness accounts uh, or near eyewitness accounts of the person and work of Jesus himself. And so them, you know, their failure to understand the scriptures and of their day and time would have been the Old Testament scriptures. Their failure to understand all of that, and yet there they were standing there sort of wearing their, you know, their Sadducee badge or whatever, and, and, and considering themselves to be um, authorities uh, on the scriptures. And Jesus says, you don't, even under, you don't even understand the first thing about the scriptures, um, this is one of the reasons for us, anyway, we spend so much time studying through books of the Bible. For us, it is God's word. Um, it is uh, unique in its source, timeless in its truth, broad in its reach, and transforming in its power. And uh, we want to understand the scriptures. Uh, the reason is not just because we want to be right about some old documents. No, we actually um, study the word of God because we want to know the God of the word. 
Um, if, if he weren't the one behind it all, it would just be another collection of ancient documents. <clears throat> but it's proven itself over and over and over again to be God's word to us. So the first thing they didn't understand is the scriptures. The second thing they didn't understand, according to Jesus, uh, was the power of God. This is something we need to talk about more often, don't we? Um, our understanding, uh, our ability to comprehend the power of God uh, is we, we just fall so short. I mean, we, we can't, we're finite creatures to begin with, so we'll never fully understand the infinite God. But all one has to do is, is, is take a little bit of notice at some of what God has done with his power. Um, designing the entire universe and then creating the entire universe by the power of his word. He said, let there be and there was. Genesis 1 just says that over and over again, multiple times. Let there be light, God said. And there was light. And so this is the kind of power that God has. And it's real important, I think, for us to understand that. Um, it is God who holds all things together by the power of his word. Um, it is God who has created everything. So we have uh, God the Son in John 1, Colossians 1, and even in Hebrews 1, who if you want to know what God is like, you just look at Jesus. You just look to Jesus. He was involved in the creation event. It's by the power of his word. He's the living word. It's by the power of his word as well that all things came together. All things were formed. All things were created. All things are held together by the power of his word. So we want to understand the scriptures. We want to understand the power of God, the God who can uh, create each and every one of us, um, the God who can create the average adult human being uh, uh, beautifully and so, uh, so complex, uh, the, just the blood vessels inside of your physical body if you were to take all of the blood vessels, all of the different size blood vessels in your body, um, um, uh, scientists have, have figured this out. You can read it in, uh, I think it's in Bob Bryson's book, uh, The Body. But uh, if you were to take all the blood vessels in your body and string them end to end to end, they would literally wrap around the entire earth two and a half times. Isn't that mind-blowing? The DNA in your body, um, if you could isolate each strand of DNA and connect it from end to end would literally stretch from Earth all the way to Pluto. I mean, that's the kind of uh, power that God has to create, to design, to maintain a world like that. I mean, this is just just mind-blowing power that God, his, God has. So I think that's really important for us. And these Sadducees, they were not ignorant people. They were not unlearned people. Um, they were simply willful unbelievers. So confronted with Jesus, 
who is doing things like opening the eyes of the blind, uh, raising the lame, and get, helping them to walk again, raising the dead. He's done that on three occasions himself, and he himself will get out of the grave. Uh, and so for people to see all of that evidence and to still stand there with their arms folded, harumphing, um, just being curmudgeon-like about the whole thing, is just, just displays their willful unbelief. Don't be like that. I hope you're not like that. The world is so vast, so beautiful, so complex, and it's as close as your nose or as far away as the heavens. And it all speaks about the power of God, the creator God who designed you, designed me. And we want to look into his word. I think so often the first thing to go is any understanding uh, for or respect for scripture. God's word is how we know about God, what God wants, what God wants us to know about him, what God wants us to know about ourselves, um, what God wants us to know about what it means to be a human person and what our identity is, all of that. We look to the scriptures. All of the scriptures point to the, 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 the center, the focus of all the scriptures, Jesus himself who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And if you need more of any of those three things, which you do, and so do I, turn to Jesus. That's what we should do. The Word of God, God's revelation uh, of information we would otherwise not have access to. It contains the only promises we have of forgiveness of sin, uh, the only promises we have for redemption, for salvation. So if you need any of that, you're going to need the word of God, the word of the Lord that will again point you to Jesus in whom salvation is found. And then that second thing I think that Jesus talked about the power of God, I think to 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 begin to dive into the scriptures and to see just how powerful the Lord is, um, to watch the way that he shapes uh, and, and influences human history and redemption history itself. And the, you know, the lineage all the way down to, to Jesus and the time was right and Jesus came. And since then, the growth, the wildfire-like growth of the church during the oppressive Roman Empire and the church, the gospel spreading like wildfire like it did without anyone firing a shot. Didn't have guns back then, but nobody even took a bow and arrow or a sword to make the script, the, the gospel spread like wildfire. It was just great news and people were very eager for it. And it was great news about a man who had risen from the dead. That's why Paul says the resurrection of Jesus is so important as a fact of history, not as a hoax. Well, a couple of quotes for you, and I'll let you go. C.S. Lewis, a creature revolting against a creator is revolting against the source of his own powers, including even his power to revolt. It is like the scent of a flower trying to destroy the flower. And I think that's what we have here as Jesus responds to these Sadducees and basically says to them, you, you can come up with all kinds of improbable hypothetical questions. They abound. Um, but what you are missing 
is an understanding of the scriptures and the power of God. And and he, and he great Jesus was so gracious because he did go on there a little bit and give them a little more information about the afterlife, didn't he? And 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 yet at the same time, what he really did was reset their um, hopefully their gaze uh, to to the really important fountain of knowledge and wisdom, the scriptures, and an understanding for the power of. God, just like the Pharisees and Sadducees, um, uh, we sometimes revolt against, you know, the the authority of God, uh, the authority of the Scriptures in our lives, and at, just as they confronted Jesus that day, and they thought they had proffered up the unanswerable question. I know there are folks who, in our own day and time, think that that they can do that same kind of thing as well. And they do it to their own detriment. The Sadducees were admonished by Jesus, but the multitudes were astonished by Jesus. Be in the astonished group. That's where I want to be, not in the admonished group. Um, And that's the difference really between a willful uh, unbeliever and an honest seeker. You can have questions. Questions are fine. Jesus is not offended by our questions. He welcomes us with our with the questions that we have. Um, if you are looking for the Lord, if you truly desire to know him, listen, let me tell you, God is not trying to hide from you at all, nor is he afraid of your questions or in some way offended by your honest questions. I've been a Christian for a long, long time. I've been a pastor for a long, long time, and I've often wondered what it takes to keep alive a sense of astonishment about the Lord. We so easily fall back into this sort of cruise control religiosity or the routine of religious practices, um, sort of the just the habit uh, of of being a believer, if you will. And it's lifeless to some extent. We need the Lord himself, an encounter with the God who's powerful enough to stir our hearts, to quicken us over and over and over again, and to, um, to, to generate within us a holy astonishment. That's why we stay in his word. We stay on our knees. We lift up the empty hands of faith, and we pray to the living God. We don't just say prayers. We commune with the living God. Um, So important for us to do that. Uh, Let me close with this John Stott quote and uh, J.I. Packer quote. Authentic Christianity, the Christianity of Christ and his apostles is supernatural Christianity. This is John Stott from Christ the Controversialist. He also said, it is not a tame and harmless ethic consisting of a few moral platitudes spiced with a dash of religion. It is rather a resurrection religion, a life lived by the power of God. That's so good. I'll include that in the show notes. I hope you'll uh, get a hold of those, whatever platform you're listening on. Uh, but you, but you want you want that quote. You want to keep that quote. And then Packer, the scriptures are the lifeline God throws us in order to ensure He and we stay connected while the rescue is in process. I love this. This is so good. I got to read it again. The scriptures are the lifeline God throws us in order to ensure that he and we stay connected while the rescue is in 
process. All right, that's good. So get in your Bible today and uh, read ahead in Mark's gospel. And by the way, thank you. Uh, so so many of you I know have been sharing this podcast podcast with some of your friends, your family members. And I, I hope that you'll continue to do that, not just because we want to build a big audience for a podcast, but because more and more people, we want more and more people studying God's word. We want more and more people understanding the scriptures, looking to Jesus and coming to understand the power of God who desires to save them. Let me pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word that it's living and active. Uh, thank you that it can speak to us. Help us, Lord, to uh, learn from these kinds of encounters you had with other people, to watch the way you so graciously respond uh, to them and to know how eager you are for us to come to you. I pray this for myself and for my friends today, that we will continue to practice the presence of Jesus throughout this day. In your precious name we pray, amen and amen. God bless you. Have a great one. Thanks for listening to today's study. Take a moment to leave a review and share this episode with friends and family. You can stay connected by signing up for our newsletter or follow us on social media. At the Village Chapel, we believe God's Word is unique in its source, timeless in its truth, broad in its reach, and transforming in its power. For more resources or to support our ministry, visit our website, thevillagechapel.com.